Welcome to Sports Spectrum, the sports and faith podcast that brings Jesus back into the conversation. Here's your host, Jason Romano. This episode of Sports Spectrum with Todd Blackledge is brought to you by Compassion International. This is an opportunity for you and I to release a child from poverty by sponsoring a child through Compassion and bringing a hope more powerful than poverty to a child in need. Through Compassion, the local church, and the love of a sponsor like yourself, two million children and their families no longer struggle alone for basic needs like food, education, health care, and help. They're encouraged, sometimes they're encouraged for the first time, to dream, to imagine, to learn, and to grow. Where there was hardship, now there's hope. Your $38 tax-deductible contribution per month can help release a child from poverty and connects this child with a loving church-based child sponsorship program. Consider sponsoring a child. Release them from poverty today by going to Compassion.com slash Sports Spectrum. Compassion.com slash Sports Spectrum. And most important of all, your sponsored child will hear about Jesus Christ and be encouraged to develop a lifelong relationship with God. Visit the website and pray about releasing a child from poverty today. On the program today, we welcome Todd Blackledge to the show, the former NFL quarterback, ESPN college football analyst. Todd played his college ball, and he did it very well, at Penn State University. 1982 was Todd Blackledge's year. He was a Davey O'Brien Award winner for the nation's most outstanding quarterback. He won the national championship with Penn State, beating Georgia in the 1983 Sugar Bowl, 27-23, and he was the MVP of that Sugar Bowl in 1983. That kind of a year doesn't come along too often, and it led to Todd being selected in the first round of the storied 1983 NFL Draft, number seven overall to Kansas City. And think about that NFL Draft. It's kind of crazy. Six Hall of Famers were taken in the first round of that NFL draft. Guys like John Elway and Dan Marino and Jim Kelly. Just an epic amount of people in that first round taken in the draft. And Todd Blackledge was a part of that NFL draft. His NFL career didn't turn out, I'm sure, the way he thought it would when you're drafted that high. He played a few years in Kansas City from 1983 to 1987 and then went to the Steelers for two years in 1988 and 1989 before retiring before his NFL career was over, and then went into broadcasting. And he'll tell you, as we start this podcast, he's in his 29th year in broadcasting, and you can see him, you can hear him on select ESPN telecasts, and he'll be on the call Sunday, September 1st, the first weekend of college football, Houston against Oklahoma. That should be an interesting game to watch. And this is a fun conversation on Todd Blackledge's football career intersecting with his faith in Jesus Christ. Take a listen to Todd Blackledge here on Sports Spectrum. And really pleased to be joined here on Sports Spectrum by Todd Blackledge. He, of course, played in the NFL, played at Penn State, and now an ESPN, longtime ESPN college football analyst and ABC as well. Todd, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thank you, Jason. It's good to be with you. You, you need to emphasize that longtime <laughs> analyst. This will be my 29th year coming up of 
broadcasting college football games. So that kind of that number kind of surprises me even when I say it. I was going to say that's like half your life, right? <laughs> I know it's uh, yeah, right around that. Yeah. Now, when you're a kid growing up, you grew up in the in the in behind basically where the Pro Football Hall of Fame is in Canton, Ohio. Yeah. Are you envisioning a broadcasting career at any point, or does that thing kind of evolve for you after football was done? Yeah, it well. It evolved before football was done um, because I actually majored in speech communications with an emphasis in broadcasting when I was at Penn State. So I, I kind of had an idea once I chose a major in my sophomore year that that I think or I thought that this is what I wanted to do. And um, but I really didn't experience it or try it or get an opportunity to do it until my playing career was over. So but I did kind of envision it then. Now, I did not envision it growing up, although sure. probably like most kids that grew up around here or kids that grow up playing football in the backyard or out in the street, you know, you, you kind of do your own self commentating and, <laughs> you know, counting it down to the last second play or the last second shot. And, you know, so I, I paid attention to broadcasters, but never really thought about doing it until I was in college. Who were the heroes for you as a kid growing up in Canton? Well, you know, I, I think I was a quarterback obviously. And, uh, you know, so I had different quarterbacks that I really, really liked. I mean, I, I loved uh, I loved Roger Staubach. You know, I just loved the way he played, the way he competed, uh, you know, just kind of his reckless abandon that he played with. Mm. I also loved Joe Namath because I just thought he was just the coolest dude ever. I mean, I remember, I don't know how old I was, probably in junior high school, but I, I somehow I was given a book or got it as a gift the book called matter of style. Uh, and it was about Joe Namath and it just, you know, I just thought he looked so cool in his uniform and, you know, the clothes he wore and everything. <laughs> and, uh, you know, didn't know a whole lot about his lifestyle necessarily, but I just thought he was about as cool as it got, you know, at that position. But those two guys probably more than anybody, uh, stood out to me. Mm. So at what point are you realizing that this football thing is, it's going to be something that you're pretty good at, especially as you're going through grade school and into high school, because yeah. obviously if you end up at Penn state, you're, you're pretty good in high school as well. So do you remember these moments maybe when you're younger that you realize this is, this is something I'm pretty good at? Well, I remember a very defining moment uh, that, that ironically was not with football directly, but it impacted my decision to really go after football. So Hmm. uh, all the way growing up, I I played multiple sports and have always been a huge proponent of playing multiple sports. So I played football, basketball, and baseball Mm -hmm. all the way up through. Now I never played peewee football or youth league football. Um, My dad didn't really want me doing that. And and, he was a coach and, and we moved around a lot. So we weren't in the same community necessarily uh, for a lot of years. And, so I did punt, pass, and kick in football, and I was always at practices and hanging around locker rooms and being a ball boy. So I was around the game, but I didn't play, actually, until I got into seventh grade. And uh, But I played basketball and baseball a lot earlier than that. So I loved all three sports. And, and for me, if you asked me what was my favorite sport, it was just simply whichever season it was. I mean, I loved playing all of them. And, and as I got older, uh, like eighth, ninth grade, 10th grade, um, if you ask me that again, what's my favorite sport? I probably would have said basketball and mm. I loved playing basketball. I loved going down into the, into the parks in the city and playing all day. And, uh, when I was in Lexington, Kentucky, I used to do that. When I was back here in Ohio, I used to do that. And, um, 
you know, I just, I really, really enjoyed it. And, and so my, you know, earliest dreams of an athletic career would have been, you know, going somewhere to play basketball. And my ideal location would have been the university of Kentucky because my dad was a, a football coach at Kentucky when I was in sixth, seventh, eighth and ninth grade. And I fell in love with Kentucky basketball. And, um, <laughs> so, um, fast forward into my junior year in high school and I was playing all three sports and having success in all three. And, um, and I got invited the summer between my junior and senior year, I got invited to a basketball camp down in Milledgeville, Georgia. It was called the BC all-star camp. Hmm. And there were about 250 kids from around the country invited. And, and I went down there, there was a, a point guard from Camp McKinley high school was a great player that ended up going to college and playing and a, about a six, six wing guy from another local school. The three of us went down together and I went down there kind of thinking, okay, if, if I feel like I can compete in the top 10, 15% of the kids here, um, then I'm going to really pursue basketball. I'm, I'm going to, you know, I was a six, three and a half inside player. And I said, I, I know I can't do that at the next level. I'm going to have to be a guard. And so I may not even play football my senior year just so I could work on the skill set that I needed to play basketball. Well, I went to this camp and it was an incredible eye-opening experience for me because there were, you know, there were kids that were six, seven, six, eight, six, nine, that, that could do everything I could do, handling the ball, shooting the ball. And I had just never seen players like that. So it was, um, it was a good experience, but I came away from that week down in Georgia thinking, you know, football is not such a bad route for me. And uh, I kind of looked like a football player at that camp. And, <laughs> and so um, anyway, I came back, I played football my senior year. I had a lot of opportunities and offers uh, for scholarships and to take visits and, uh, and ultimately settle on Penn State. So, um, so I have no regrets. I, mean, I, I love playing all of them. I played all three, even through the spring of my senior year. I played baseball and enjoyed it, but football was, uh, was ultimately my future. Now, as you've gotten older and you look back, you mentioned the multi-sport um efforts that you played, you know, liking and playing three different sports. You don't see yeah. that nowadays with guys that are recruited. Let's say, let's say you today in 2019, are you able or still thinking that you can play basketball and baseball while still looking at a potential football journey to Penn state? Probably not. Right. It's a lot more difficult. And, and to me, that's a very sad commentary on, on what our youth sports and our youth sports culture and even high school sports culture has become a little bit, because yeah. I still think there's incredible value. Uh, and you know, if you, all you have to do is if you look, you look at every year, they put something out at the, at, after the first round of the NFL draft and they'll go through the top 30, 32 picks and they'll say, okay, how many of these guys were multiple sport guys in high school? And it's like 90%, you know? Mm. And so but somehow kids have bought into this mindset that you have to pick a sport. You have to pick it early. You have to devote all your energy and focus on training for that sport. And I, I just don't believe that now. Um, you know, I think at a certain point in high school, maybe if you, if you are a scholarship caliber guy, you know, maybe you, it's hard to play three. It's really difficult to play three, but I think for sure you can play two, yeah. you know, all the way up through graduating, but it, it doesn't happen nearly as much. And, and, uh, you know, around where I live, the only place you see it happen is with the really smaller level schools 
where there's just, there's not enough boys, you know, and they have to share athletes and coaches are willing to, to share athletes and work around schedules. And, uh, and, and the biggest difference, Jason, from today and why I think it's more difficult for kids today um, than it was when I came out and when I was playing is what goes on in the summer. I mean, when I was a high school athlete, the summers were summers, you know, I mean, if you wanted to play on a summer baseball team, you could, you know, we worked out as a football team in the mornings, three days a week on our own, no coaches, no seven on sevens, no team camps, nothing like that. Basketball. I used to go down to the park and play with older guys, great competition, tough environments. And that's how I got better as a basketball player. You know, today, you know, you've got, you've got team camps, you've got full practices, you've got summer travel teams that play 50 games in baseball. It's, it's amazing what, what our young athletes are asked to do in the summer. And unfortunately it causes a lot of kids, a lot of angst. It causes families, a lot of anxiety that, that if their kids don't do this, they're going to get passed up and they're not going to make high school teams. And, and I just think it's, it's unfortunate on so many levels, you know, it's unfortunate that kids get put in that position. It's also unfortunate that kids don't get to be kids in the summer. And I, and I'm saying this from experience because I just got off the road with my youngest son. I have four boys. My youngest son is a, is a talented baseball player. He's going to be a junior in high school. He wants to play college baseball. He's probably going to have a good opportunity to do that. And we have been on the road since June 12th, almost completely. And we just came off the road uh, this past week and, uh, and school starts in two weeks, you know? And so I, you know, I, I've lived through that as well. And, and it's just, uh, it's, it's just kind of a different world out there now. Yeah, it's completely different. I just think, cause I think a lot of parents are almost misguided in thinking that their kids are there, you know, can all get scholarships to colleges. Exactly. So they force them exactly. through all of this. I have a daughter, she's 15. She's a sophomore in high school. She's a good volleyball player. She's a good softball player. I've laid out how she can be great. And I've told her I can introduce her to people who can help her get to a level that might get her a chance at a scholarship. She's not interested. She just wants to be yeah. good and enjoy her time. And so I back off and right. I have a hard time with that, Todd, to be honest with you, because yeah. I know there's talent in her. But at the same time, I think I see other people pushing their kids. It's such a tough time to, to be yeah. a parent of an athlete, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's it's really tough nowadays for parents because, uh, you know, for a couple of things. First of all, you've got, you know, you've got more sports-related injuries with young athletes uh, than you ever had. And, yeah. and a lot of that is just from overexposure, overuse. Uh, and then you've got, uh, you know, you've got the, the problem with burnout. There's a lot of young athletes that just, they reach a certain point, 12, 13, 14, they've got hard driving parents and, and yes. whatever, yeah. or coaches. And, and they just say, man, I don't like doing this anymore. And they stop, which is, is tragic to me too, just because of the value that I think that sports gives kids, you know, the longer they play for life in, in general. And then, you know, then the other thing is, and, and this is where I had an advantage growing up mm -hmm. uh, with my dad being a coach is I had a very realistic outlook on, you know, what was out there and how hard, how much work it took. And, and yet still understanding that, you know, just the raw basic percentages, you know, the numbers of kids that play high school football that ultimately 
get a college football scholarship is is such a small percentage you know and then the the percentage of guys that play college football all divisions that sign an NFL contract is is an even smaller percentage yeah. so you know it's good to know those things not to squash people's dreams but to just have a realistic understanding <laughs> that you know it's 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 so hard yeah. you know and there's so many good players outside of your local bubble and you know that's that is one of the things that's been really great for me, you know, going through stuff with my boys. Um, you know, my oldest son went to basketball, went to college to play basketball, ended up at a division three school, yeah. had a great career, was an all American, uh, but even going through recruiting in the AAU circuit with him. And now what I'm going through with my youngest son in baseball, when you get to some of these venues and some of these tournaments and you say, wow, there are so many good players out mm -hmm. there, you know, and when you get outside of your little world and your little area, you realize, man, it's, it's a, it's a very tough, tough way to go, you know, pursue it, you know, follow your dreams, follow your passions, but, but know that it's uh it's, it's a, it's a tough road to go. That's so true. Todd Blackledge is our guest here on Sports Spectrum. Todd, we are the intersection of sports and faith. So I'd love to hear your testimony of faith in Christ. I know that your your walk with the Lord is extremely important to you. Can you share that with us? Sure. Um, yeah. So so my story, and you know, every everybody's testimony and everybody's story is is a great story. Um, yeah. You know, I grew up, um, I grew up, I have two younger sisters, my dad and, and it was a football coach. We moved around a lot, did not grow up really going to church a great deal. I don't think I ever looked at a Bible or read anything in a Bible. Um, you know, just always, you know, considered myself a good kid and, and we were a good, strong family. And, you know, I just kind of probably grew up with the mindset. If I did think about God at all, it was just that you know, be the best person you can be and treat people well. And, you know, God kind of helps those who help themselves. You know, that was probably the philosophy that I lived under and grew up under. And, um, and I, I went to college and, you know, probably at that time, um, you know, I never went to an FCA camp or an AIA camp or anything where I was exposed to the gospel mm. or the message of the gospel. And so I probably just, you know, went to college with the idea that, you know, faith or religion or Christianity might be good for, for some people, but you know, it just didn't seem really relevant in my life. And, um, and early on, a couple of things happened at Penn state. One was I got hurt, uh, right before the season was starting my freshman year. Mm. Uh, I broke a bone in my hand and it was the first time I'd ever experienced injury. And I was going to play some as a freshman, um, uh, you know, kind of in, in certain passing situations, two minute offense situations. And, and so that was a real blow for me um, to not be able to continue. And, and at the same time, the team was to continuing to make their preparations for the start of the season. And I was, you know, kind of felt sorry for myself, you know, in a lot of ways uh, being left behind and, you know, going through the, the injury and the rehab and everything I had to do. And, uh, at that same time, I, again, I think partly because I was experiencing some new frustrations, uh, you know, I started delving into some things, um, you know, that were available to me, whether it was, you know, with, with alcohol and with, with drugs and with, uh, women that, that, you know, when I was living under my mom and dad's roof, I would have never even thought about doing, you know, and if I did, it was, you know, it was totally sneaky, you know, just, <laughs> 
but I was even scared to get caught of anything. So, yeah. but when I went to college, there was this new freedom and there was this new, uh, you know, I didn't have accountability to the same way I did at home. And, and, um, and all those things combined, uh, I started going down some paths that I had never gone down before. Um, towards the end of my freshman year, um, I started to pay more attention to a teammate of mine. Uh, his name was Keith Brown. He was an offensive lineman from the state of Maryland and, um, his locker was close to mine. And, um, you know, and, and I had heard from other guys, you know, he's one of those, you know, born again guys and, you know, Bible guy and, you know, just be careful, you know, be careful how much time you spend <laughs> with him. And he had a big bumper sticker in his, in his, in his locker that said, Jesus is Lord. And, mm. and, uh, but, but the thing about Keith is I, you know, I really, there was something about him that was attracted to me, something in his life that, that, that I was drawn to. There was a sincerity and a, and kind of a reality and a peace despite his circumstance. Cause Keith wasn't playing. He, you know, he was a highly recruited guy as most guys are, they go to Penn state, but he, you know, he hadn't been much of a player to that point, but, but there was a, there was a difference in his life and a consistency in his life that seemed unrelated to, to the circumstances. And I, I was drawn to that. And, and so, you know, we, we started to become friends and about the same time uh, I met another guy who was a, a representative of athletes in action on campus, a guy by the name of Tim McGill, who worked with athletes at Penn state. And, and really it was through those relationships and those friendships um, you know, they kind of introduced me to the person of Jesus Christ and, and, you know, gave me a Bible and encouraged me to read in the gospel of John. And, and then I went home for the summer and kind of, you know, still did a lot of the things I was, had been doing there early in my freshman year. But, um, but there was also something that had been stirred in me. And, um, mm. when I went back in September of my sophomore year, um, you know, and I was competing for a starting job and at quarterback with, with Jeff Hostetler, who was in my same recruiting class at yeah. Penn state. And it was a very, you know, tough battle all the way through. And, and, uh, and I don't remember the timing of this. I don't know if it was before Jeff was named the starter for the opening game. It, it obviously must've been because this was about the end of September that I, uh, I remember, uh, you know, praying and, and, uh, had come to the point where I said, okay, this, I, I know this is what I need. This is what I need in my life. I want Jesus in my life. I want him to, to forgive me of my sins. And I want him to be the Lord and savior, you know, my Lord and master of my life as well. And, uh, and so I just, in my dorm room, I just, you know, got on my knees and I prayed and those guys were with me. And, um, and, you know, that kind of began, uh, this journey that I've been on now ever since, you know, September of 1980. So, um, mm. You know, and it's uh, it's an ever evolving, ever growing, you know, ever changing yeah. journey. And I think that's part of what makes it so, so exciting. Was it hard for you once that happens to acclimate yourself back into, I guess, handling success and failure? Because the success comes. I mean, you win the 1982 Davy O'Brien Award. You win the 83 Sugar Bowl MVP. You win the national championship in your senior year. So success comes. But then some failure in the NFL comes and it doesn't, you know, you don't uh, right. have the success that you would hope, obviously, being a first round draft pick. So did have having that faith kind of help you work through that? Did you have to kind of figure out how to deal with success and failure because of that newfound faith that you had? Well, it was certainly extremely helpful. Um, 
you know, and, and I experienced failures at Penn State too. You know, there were there were times, like I said, the you know the that sophomore season, you know, Jeff and I battled all through the spring of our freshman year and then all through fall camp and and like the Wednesday before the opening game, Joe met with each of us and told us that he was that Jeff was gonna be the starter. And uh you know, I, I did get to play in the first three games, but you know, I wasn't sure how much I was gonna play. And then um I ended up becoming the starter in the fourth game. And, but even when I was a starter for the next three years, I mean, I, you know, I had ups and downs, you know, I ended up, uh, you know, I threw more interceptions and touchdowns my first year as a starter. And, uh, Mm. you know, that got better and better, but, um, but I had moments of both and, but, but where my faith and where the genuine genuineness of faith helped is, um, and this is something I'm still growing in today is really trying, you know, being rooted and grounded in what your real identity is and what determines your identity and what determines your value. And that's the fact, the simple fact that you are a son of the living God, you know, and, and your life has been purchased by the blood of Jesus. And so that, that gives you value that, that determines you, that's your identity. And when you're an athlete, you know, so much of everything you do is based on performance. Everything is graded. Everything is evaluated. Everything is, is scrutinized and broken down. And, and if you live your life based on that, uh, I mean, it just makes for a very erratic and up and down existence. And, you know, so learning how to transition out of that, and it doesn't happen overnight, but, but the more rooted and grounded you get into who you are in God and who God is to you and how he approves of you and accepts you and, and what the basis of that acceptance is, uh, the deeper you get grounded in that, the more easy it is to deal with the ups and downs of any athletic career or anything in life, really, because, you know, life hands you ups and downs and, and, you know, heartbreaking situations and circumstances. And, uh, you know, but I think, uh, I think knowing your identity, being rooted in your identity, and then for me, even the, probably the, the greatest revelation for me over the last couple of years that is that goes right along with that is the understanding and the knowledge that God is really good. And, and in all things and in all ways, he is good. In all circumstances, God's goodness is real. And, um, you know, I think the deeper you get rooted and anchored in those things, um, you know, the better off you are in life. I've been asking this question a, a bit recently to a lot of the guests here on the podcast. And I wonder for you, especially now that it's been, gosh, almost 40 years since that day in 1980 yeah. for you, what do you think the responsibility is to kind of live out that faith? Obviously, you're not hired to be a preacher. You're hired in the sense of being a broadcaster with ESPN right. to be an analyst for football games. But what do you think the responsibility is to live out that faith and tell others about what God has done in your life within the parameters of still working in a place, you know, that's so public and open like an ESPN. Right. Well, I think, I think the overarching uh, responsibility for all of us as born again believers is that we are, you know, we are called to be ambassadors of Christ and ambassadors of the kingdom of God. You know, and now how that's interpreted and how that plays out, I believe, is, you know, in a lot of ways, a matter of just your own personal conviction and, and what you feel God is is leading you to do and to be or to be a part of or be involved in. And so, um, 
But I think the overarching call to all of us is, you know, to represent him and, you know, to represent him in the best way possible and to allow him to live his life through us. And, and, you know, as far as how that applies to my job now, um, you know, there's a couple things. One, I think, you know, I'm looked at as a leader on our team. Um, you know, I've been, I've been doing this for a long time. I've been on this crew. The K crew is our, is our crew. Mm-hmm. We've, we've had the same core group for a long time and, uh, I've had different play by bouncers, but, but a lot of our camera guys are the same producer, director, Holly Rowe and I have been together for 12 years and I'm looked at as a quarterback, as a leader, you know, and I get a chance to address all of our, of our team, uh, on, on different opportunities. And, and I just think the way I present myself, the way I treat other people on our crew, um, you know, it, it goes a long way in, in representing Christ. I think that my willingness to, to be interested in other people's lives and not just, you know, what's going on with their life. And it, and if it leads to situations of, of asking to pray for somebody or, mm. or being willing to, to pray or intercede for a situation, I think that is part of, of representing Christ. Um, and then when I actually do my job, uh, I feel his presence um, very strongly in doing his job because um, I, I believe that God has gifted me in this and he's given me favor in this business and given me opportunity. And certainly I've worked to hone my craft and I've worked to, to do the best that I can. Right. But I am, you know, I totally believe and I pray before every game. And I really believe that God gives me divine insight and anticipation and, and wisdom as I'm calling the game. And uh, and I don't take that lightly. And, and I even see that as a way of you know, whatever you do, do with all your heart unto the Lord. I mean, I, I that's how I feel yeah. I'm, I'm handling my business on air. Hmm. What about the state of faith in college football right now? I mean, we see guys like Dabo winning titles and wearing their faith on the sleeve. We on their sleeve. We hear about FCA and AIA groups, even groups that you mentioned that have been around for years and athletes in action are doing great right. things. They're partners of ours here <laughs> with Sports Spectrum. But what do you think is the state of faith? today in college football and maybe even comparing it to 40 years ago, but the state of faith today, I think it seems to be more out there uh, based upon certainly the success of people like Dabo. Yeah. Well, I think, I think it probably is. Um, You know, I think that there's more expression of it. I I still think there's an awful lot of resistance to it, you know, whether it's in the NFL, whether it's in college sports, whatever. Uh, and a lot of that resistance is more just a lack of understanding, you know, more than it is flat out rejection or resisting it. Um, you know, I think here's one of the things I think like with football, and this is why I think guys like Dabo uh, mean so much to the the advancement of the kingdom and, and the ways of the kingdom in athletics. And really the guy that I point to before anybody uh, that I think had the most dramatic impact in the NFL uh, before he passed away was Reggie White yeah. um, because Reggie was an incredible ambassador, but also an all pro Hall of Fame caliber player who, you know, was un- unashamedly, you know, out there with his faith. And I think he opened doors that that a lot of other people had no chance of opening because he was so good and so well respected and so well regarded as a player, mm. because I think in football, the misconception is that, you know, if, if guys 
really give themselves to Jesus and give themselves to being a follower of Jesus, they're going to lose whatever this edge or this toughness or this whatever it takes to be great in football, hmm. which is a lie. You know, it's, it's, it's just a total lie. And so I think guys like Reggie really expose that as a lie. I think guys like Dabo and how sincere he is and the culture that he's built. And then on top of that, play at championship level and win two national championships in the last four years, whatever it is, um, goes a long way in dispelling, you know, those ideas and, and those misconceptions. Last couple of questions here with Todd Blackledge on the podcast back in June, you tweeted, uh, second Corinthians five 21. And it was, it's, I'll read it out here for everybody who is listening for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And then you put the only thing more amazing than what God has removed from us is what he has given us in return. Can you just share a little bit about from your heart, why that was important to share that day, but even maybe now, even today, a couple months later, what that verse means to you and how it's kind of applied into your life. Well, it's just, there's just so much to that verse. (laughs) I mean, just so much to it, you know, I mean, if you really just meditate on it and, and, and take it in, try to take it in and you realize that, you know, that, that, that the son of God, Jesus left his place of glory and wrapped himself in human flesh and came to this earth and, and endured and suffered what did, you know, in order to restore us into right relationship with the father, uh, what he was willing to do to make that happen and, and how he was willing to take our place is mind blowing. I mean, when you really stop and think about it, it's, it's mind blowing. And he was willing to do that regardless of what our attitude about it was at the time, you know? And, and so it's just, it's so incredible. And then to realize then, so not only, you know, I, I think of that also just, you know, our salvation is not only what we were saved from, but what we're saved unto, you know, this experiencing the, the taste of eternal life here on earth, you know, on earth as it is in heaven. And certainly, you know, we have an ultimate destination, but we have a life with him living in us and his Holy Spirit leading us and guiding us uh, in ways of righteousness uh and, and ways of representing him and his kingdom that can impact the world here on earth. And so, you know, just the combination of that, when you really take it in and, you know, I could probably tweet that verse every day, you know I mean? That, that verse <laughs> yeah. doesn't get old That's right. because of the impact of it, you know? So it's, uh, I don't even remember what the circumstances were that day. And, and I don't get on Twitter too much in the off season. I kind of go off the grid, but, but when I'm on it, uh, I primarily, that's primarily all I do is put, put scripture out and, uh, hmm. you know, different thoughts that come to me. And, you know, occasionally I'll, I'll do some football stuff too, but, uh, uh you know, and again, I think I, I get a lot of feedback from that. There's a lot of people that give me feedback that that's an encouragement to them in the morning or as they're scrolling through things and, uh, you know, but God's word never, never, never goes out and comes back void. You know, there's always, there's always value in it when it's, when it's put out there. Absolutely. Even through a tweet and social media and this digital age that we live in today. Todd, it's been great chatting with you. Last question here. It's a question we ask all of our guests. You may have answered it in some of the answers you've already given, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Today, as we tape this, the season's upon us, 2019. 
What are you learning from God right now? What has he been teaching you over the past few weeks, maybe even just the last couple of days or even hours uh, as yeah. you walk in your path with the Lord? What has he been teaching you? Well, I did kind of touch on it earlier. I, I think the, the strongest thing that he is showing me and revealing to me uh, in my life right now is just how good he is. And that even when there's circumstances that, that are painful or heartbreaking or things that we don't understand, that does not in any way negate his goodness. And, you know, to, to, to have that as an anchor in everything and to know that any circumstance or any situation that may have been brought about for your harm, that he can take any situation and turn it into good in your life. Uh, I, I just that that's been the greatest lesson that he's been teaching me here lately is that, uh, you know, there there are things in life that happen that we don't understand that we can't necessarily figure out right now and and maybe never figure out. Yeah. But it is undeniable and undebatable that God is good and he's always good in, in, at all times and in every situation. And, and that's that's comforting to know. Mm. He is Todd Blackledge, ESPN college football analyst, longtime NFL or former NFL quarterback, longtime analyst in college football. Todd, the season starts Thursday, August 29th. I, I assume your first game Saturday, August 31st. Actually, I'm Sunday, September 1st. So there I have the go. standalone Sunday game, Houston at Oklahoma. And I'm, I'm very anxious to see Jalen Hurts, uh, you know, with the Oklahoma Sooners. I just think the world of that kid and, you know, just the example that he's been. Uh, as a college athlete, and I'm thrilled for him and the opportunity that he'll have on September 1st. Nice. Well, we'll be watching Sunday, September 1st, Houston versus Oklahoma. Todd, thanks for your time. Really appreciate it. Best of luck this year, and uh, hopefully we'll get you back on again soon. Thanks a lot. Okay, Jason. Good being with you. And great stuff there from Todd Blackledge, the ESPN college football analyst, the former NFL quarterback with the Chiefs and the Steelers and the 1983 Sugar Bowl MVP, 1982 national champion with Penn State, Todd Blackledge here on Sports Spectrum. Really good stuff there from Todd, both on faith, on sports, on the state of parenting and youth sports right now. Lots of good stuff there from Todd Blackledge. And he'll be on that call, as he said, the Houston Cougars taking on the Oklahoma Sooners. And it's Sunday night. It's the last Sunday without the NFL, basically. September 1st, 7.30 p.m. Eastern on ABC. It'll be fun to watch that game and watch Todd Blackledge all season long as the 2019 college football season is now here and upon us. Many thanks to Todd and many thanks to Compassion International for sponsoring this podcast. That support, that $38 a month tax-deductible contribution connects you to a child living in poverty the support provides medical checkups, nutritious food, health and hygiene training, educational assistance, mentoring to help these children discover their incredible value as God's children. And the most important thing of all, it's all done in Jesus' name. They connect these children and give them an opportunity to hear about the wonderful saving grace of Christ and be encouraged to develop a lifelong relationship with the Lord. Sponsor a child today through Compassion. Go to Compassion.com slash Sports Spectrum. Compassion.com slash Sports Spectrum. Pray about it and consider releasing a child from poverty today. We do thank you for listening. We really are grateful. The fact that you found this podcast means so much to us. The fact that you would hit play and listen to 
anything that we produce here at Sports Spectrum just means so much to us. Thank you for listening. If this is the first time that you've joined us here at Sports Spectrum and heard any of our content, welcome. We're so grateful to have you here. Please do us a favor, click that subscribe button so you never miss an episode of Sports Spectrum's podcast, over 300 plus episodes, whatever app you're listening to, whether it's Spotify or iHeartMedia, iHeartRadio or Google Play or Stitcher, uh, obviously iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever it is, click that subscribe button and never miss an episode of our podcast. We've been doing this now for two and a half years. We're approaching a million downloads of the podcast. So many people have tuned in. Uh, it's been wonderful to see this thing grow, and it's all because of you listening. It really is. So thanks for joining us. Thanks for tuning in. You can also reach us through our social media channels, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Click that like button or whatever it is, however you can stay connected with us on social media. You can also email me directly if you'd like to reach someone here at Sports Spectrum. My email is jason at sportspectrum.com, jason at sportspectrum.com. And you can email me anything you want. You can give me an idea for a guest. We welcome those. In fact, the majority of guests that we have on this podcast come from ideas from people just like you. You can also give me any feedback that you want to provide for this podcast. Maybe you didn't like an interview. Maybe you didn't like a question that we asked. Maybe you wanted to hear a different question. We welcome all of that because this is about evolving and growing. And as long as we're not compromising our faith in Christ... Uh, when we do these interviews, we welcome all sorts of feedback. So please reach out, jason at sportspectrum.com. Have a great rest of your day. We love you guys. We'll see you next time here on Sports Spectrum. <laughs>